If there's one guarantee in your data career journey, it's this. You will have an interview. You will want to do well in this interview. And you will be nervous for this interview. And in today's episode, I talk to data interview expert Nick Singh. We discuss what you can expect in these data interviews, how to best prepare for them, and how you can really stand out to land that job offer. If that sounds interesting, keep listening. Welcome to the Data Career Podcast, the podcast that helps aspiring data professionals land their next data job. Here's your host, Avery Smith. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Data Career Podcast. I'm your host, Avery Smith. And in today's episode, we're gonna talk about all things data interviews. We have Nick Singh, who's the expert of all things data interviews, to talk to us about what we can expect in these data interviews, what are the different types of interviews that we might have, how we can best prepare for those, how we can best prepare for the dreaded SQL technical interview. I am not a fan of those, but Nick has a lot of good resources for that. So that'll be good for you guys to hear. We also talk about our best tips for the interview and how you can maximize the interview that you actually get. I jokingly went and looked up the lyrics for Lose Yourself by Eminem, because that's kind of like the vibe. If you guys haven't listened to that song, go, go look it up right now, Lose Yourself by Eminem. And I was looking up the lyrics and it like really reminded me of the interview setting. So I'm going to read them to you. Look, if you had one shot or one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted in one moment, would you capture it? Or just let it slip. Yo, his palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti. He's nervous, but on the surface, he looks calm and ready to drop bombs. But he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down. The whole crowd goes so loud. He opens his mouth, but the words won't come out. He's choking. How? Everybody's joking now. The clock's run out. Time's up. Over now. That's kind of how it feels like sometimes in the data interview where it's like, ah, crap, I'm choking. I'm nervous. I have this one opportunity, this big moment. Am I going to capture it or not? And hopefully after today's episode, you'll be able to capture it uh, a little bit better than you might not have before this episode. And we also do a little mock interview at the end. So make sure you listen all the way through to hear me kind of biff it on answering a behavioral interview question. And Nick kind of gave me some good feedback. So I think you guys will really enjoy this episode. I also want to let you guys know about something really special that's going on right now. So if you go to datacareerjumpstart.com slash interview, you're going to find something that I've been working on for the last three months, and I'm really proud of it. What it's called is the Data Analyst Interview Simulator, and it's basically what exactly like it sounds. It simulates an actual data interview for you guys to go through. Now, it's basically a prep course for all things data interviews. So if you have any interviews coming up or you're hoping to have interviews coming up, I highly suggest checking this out. You can find the link to it in the show notes down below. It has all sorts of different tools. Um, some of my favorite ones is basically a lot of ways to practice interview questions. So we have 75 plus more interview questions and this is more behavioral focused where there's a lot of things online that will help you prepare for like a SQL technical assessment, but not very many that will actually help you prepare for a behavioral interview question. And so what this will do is take you through the whole pattern of actually going through an interview process. There's videos on there that will show you an interview question from specific companies like Tesla, Facebook, Google, LinkedIn, all these other sorts of different companies. It'll actually allow you 
to enter your video. So you'll practice answering the video, uh, answering the question on video, which is a definitely a skill and something you need to practice. And then it'll show an example from me, an expert giving you how I think you should approach answering that question. And then lastly, it'll show you all of your peers. So basically all of your submissions get put into in the pool and those submissions get displayed down below. So you can get ideas from your classmates, your peers about how to answer these questions. So they're really, it's really about practicing and learning from others uh, how to actually do this. It also includes a mock interview generator, a full mock interview, lots of cool things that I'm really excited about. So definitely check it out, datacrewjumpster.com slash interview, or you can see the show notes down below. If you guys are enjoying the show, please leave a rating and a review wherever you listen to the podcast. On Spotify, we are 30 away from catching Data Camp's podcast. Only 30 reviews out of the thousands of you guys that listen on Spotify. We just need 30 of you guys to give a review. I don't even care if it's zero stars. Just give us a rating. On Apple, I think we're at 77 reviews, so we're about 23 away from 100, and that's very exciting. So if you're listening on Apple, Go ahead and scroll to the bottom, leave us a review. And if you're on Spotify, it is actually at the top of the podcast page. With that, let's get into today's episode. All right, you guys, my guest today is the one and only Nick Singh. He's worked in the data field at Facebook, at Google, at Microsoft. He is the co-author of the best-selling book, How to Ace the Data Science Interview. I have my copy over there. It's absolutely great. He's the creator of Data Lemur which is basically an online SQL learning and practice platform. And most importantly, he's a data meme expert and super Drake fan. Nick, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Ray, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to break down a little bit more about the interview and how do we get those interviews in the first place. Awesome. Yeah, you've done so much in your data career, right? You've done so much in such little time. But I really invited you on here today to help me and help us, you know, all the listeners, learn more about data interviews. So I'd kind of like to get an idea of the different types of interviews, you know, maybe get some best tips or a list of potential questions that you might get asked. And then maybe we'll do like a little quick, a little mock behavioral interview at the end to test your abilities and test my abilities and see how it goes. But firstly, For I just sure. want to start with like, what different types of interviews are there in the data world? Like what have you seen from your yeah. experience? So we've have those behavioral interviews that most people are probably familiar with. Then when it comes to technical interviews, you might have a SQL screen where they ask you some conceptual questions about how SQL works or different commands. And then at more competitive fan companies like Facebook, Google, and this, they will actually have you write SQL code on the spot, either on a whiteboard if this is happening in person, or they're going to send you a coding assessment through a platform like HackerRank or Codility or CodeSignal, where they're going to give you two real SQL interview problems and have you spend 45 minutes solving both of them. So, you know, you'll actually might have to write code during the interview. And this happens for both data science, data analytics, data engineering jobs, BI jobs, you know, you can all be expecting a SQL screen. Some roles also do coding screens where you code in Python. That's more the case for some data science roles, but a lot of machine learning engineering roles, data engineering roles, and of course, software engineering roles, you're going to be writing code on the spot, again, through one of these hacker ranks, codilities. So you've got coding screens, you've got SQL screens, you've got behavioral interviews. You might also be asked a little bit about statistics and probability, not like crazy PhD level stuff, but basics about hypothesis testing or confidence intervals and p-values. You might be asked to apply Bayes' rule to a 
you know, to solve a problem with Bayes' rule. You can also be, you know, expecting to face a more open-ended, almost case study or, you know, I, I hate using the word case study just because that kind of means something very specific in the consulting and business world. They have case interviews and like they have a case method. I mean, in the data world, it's a little bit more loose what we consider a case interview. Sometimes it's happening in person where they'll give you data, they'll let you, you know, analyze it for an hour and then they'll talk to you about how do you analyze it? How did you explore it? How did you clean it? What insights you found? Maybe this happens through a take home somewhere during the interview process where they'll actually give you a few days with the data set to go analyze it. And then sometimes there's not even a data set to analyze in these case studies. Let me give you a real example from Facebook um, that they ask for data scientists and data analysts at Facebook, which is a question like, you know, what are the metrics you'd use to measure the health of Facebook Marketplace, the app? right? Facebook Marketplace is like a place where you can buy and sell different goods, kind of like Craigslist. You know, what, what would you be tracking to make sure that your marketplace is healthy? And of course, here, I mean, there's no data. Here, it's more about a back and forth conversation with your interviewer just to talk about what business metrics you think should be tracked, what kinds of problems you think the product might have around spam? How would we stop the spam? How would we measure the spam? How could we maybe build ML models to fight that spam? So it's really just a big open-ended discussion. So those are probably the main types of interviews you'll face when you're on that data analyst, data science job hunt. Okay, awesome. So basically there's the behavioral questions, there's kind of like the SQL, online SQL, in-person SQL, maybe like some, some Python tests. And then kind of these, oh, the statistics questions and then mm -hmm. the case studies with data, case studies without data. So maybe, maybe around seven different types. So basically yeah. it's complicated and that's right why Nick wrote a whole book about it. So um, <laughs> you guys can check that out. We'll have a, a link to it in the show notes down below. Yeah. Um, I, actually, but, I want to just say one thing. It's complicated because truth is these data roles are different company to company. And what one company calls a data scientist might be doing work that another company calls, like might be doing data analyst work, right? And you've got data engineers who are doing data science work and vice versa. So that's kind of why the interview process is so wide because a lot of the companies, a lot of the hiring managers, they don't even know exactly what they're hiring for or, you know, data is still such a new role that they just kind of throw a lot of different things at you because they themselves are not sure whether you need machine learning or not. Yeah, definitely true. We just interviewed Luke Bruce and we talked about data job titles because he's been web scraping. He's web scraped 1.3 million data job titles and he's like, they're such a mess. Everyone <laughs> has different definitions of everything. So I, I really agree with that. I will say like one thing that's interesting is what you said is true for all the positions, right? Like data analyst, data scientist, data engineer, like any one of those roles could have any one of those types of interviews. I do think that the data analyst interviews do skew a little less intense than some of the data for scientists sure. and data engineering ones. Do you agree? Oh, I've, for sure. Because data analysts are a little bit more entry level and still a little bit like less, I would say, hype. Like people have been doing data analyst job for quite some time versus like titles like data science are still new in a lot of orgs, but people have been doing BI analyst or data analyst work for a long time. And you know, people have been doing Excel tests for like the last 30 years. So data analysts 
it's a little bit less crazy, but you still can expect a little bit about stats. You can still expect a little bit about open-ended kind of case studies about business metrics and product metrics. And yeah, you might be asked some questions about Excel and maybe just a little bit about SQL, but it's not as hardcore. Maybe they just ask you some basic questions there. Yeah. And I think it's, it's also really good to point out, like you said, that like not only are the roles different, but the interview process is different for these different positions. It's not like one company interviews data analysts the same as another. They're all going to have their different processes and some might require you know, a SQL test. But I've had a lot of students inside of the data analytics accelerator land jobs without doing a SQL test whatsoever, right? Sure. So it really just depends on, on the process. And also even at some of the bigger companies, now this isn't true necessarily with like Facebook and Amazon and Google, like they have a pretty standardized recruiting process and hiring process. But like, for instance, when I got hired at ExxonMobil, like my interview process was very different from the next person that got hired, like, right? Like sometimes yeah. from just day to day, the interview process, depending on who's interviewing you, how prepared they are, all that good stuff might be different. So basically, like you said, it can be pretty random of what the experience might actually yeah. be. And you're right that there are definitely companies who hire without a SQL test to let you do SQL, but I don't think that's a good thing. I don't think that's like, oh, damn it. I got, no, like, dang, I got lucky because that tells you a little bit about who your coworkers might be or who your hiring manager is versus a company where they're a little bit more rigorous and they, you know, they send you a coding screen where you have to write these things in 30 minutes that tells you like, oh, they actually take SQL seriously. And it also tells you your coworkers, your manager, they're not just like random people who've been promoted. Like they probably know how to do SQL screens if they're going to be the ones judging it or grading it or requiring those skills of you. So I definitely would be wary. I've seen this with some people were like, oh yeah, you know what, Nick, your book was too crazy. My job didn't ask me anything technical. It was just a behavioral. It was really easy. And then they get into the job and they're like, oh, I'm just doing really simple stuff in Excel all day. And it's not for a lot of pay. And I'm like, yeah, because the jobs that pay a lot <laughs> where you need SQL, they test SQL kind of hard. They don't just let you walk in. So, you know, it, it's a okay if you're trying to break in, but just something to be cognizant about that. I don't think there's no free lunch. There's no like, oh, wow, they're paying a lot. And it's really prestigious and it's really competitive. And they didn't even test my technical skills. I fooled them. That doesn't really happen too much, which is why the people leading the pack with pay, these fan companies, Facebook, Googles and all, that's why they got the hardest interviews. So, you know, yeah. no free lunch. I think that is true. Like the companies that pay the most are often the most rigorous interview process. And I agree with what you said. I will push back a little bit because we're going to talk about this later about how you actually get good at these interviews. And the, sure. the answer is you practice the interview questions, right? Yep. And from my experience, and keep in mind that like a lot of my data roles I've actually been in haven't really been that SQL heavy, right? But like a lot of the roles I've been in haven't even been that SQL heavy. And unfortunately, I just think that sometimes giving people a timed test is not the best way to judge them for yeah. what type of employee they might be, right? Like, I don't think I would test that well with a SQL test. Cause once again, I'm more of a Python guy, but even with the Python sure. test, like you're putting yourself in an environment where I've never really been on a time crunch. I've never really been not able to connect to the internet, right? Like, like yeah. I've always been able to have those resources. So I think it's often a really good way to try to figure out, like it's a weeder to figure out like, okay, yep. these people aren't good. These people are really good. Right. But I also think it's not necessarily the best way to identify candidates. Oh, but of course not. When you're getting thousands, you have to do something to limit it down. So I understand the purpose of it. Yeah. What you said is fair. And just like there's a way to interview well, I talk to hiring managers all the time and be like, yo, your interview 
process doesn't make sense. Why are you grilling me on SQL if you need a person who's doing Python and Pandas? Exactly alluding to your point, right? So just like their skill in sitting for these interviews, hiring managers shouldn't just blindly just, oh, let's just ask the hardest stuff randomly because I heard there might be machine learning. It's like, I don't think my data analyst needs to know machine learning, right? They can be a kick-ass data analyst without that. So I definitely think there's an art to it, but still at some point, you know, the military, right? They make you do push-ups, they make you do pull-ups. That's what's there <laughs> for the special forces. Yeah. I don't think doing 20 pull-ups makes you a really good, you know, Navy SEAL. Yeah, but I mean, there's a reason why all the tests are around basic yeah. exercises. So I think SQL is the same way. Your job might be much more complicated, but sometimes the thing we can test you is the push-ups of data, which is SQL. And, you know, yep. maybe the sit-ups of data is you know, a take-home challenge and something like that, right? So you had to have some standards, but yeah, I agree. It's that, not a perfect process. That was a good analogy. I actually like that. Because obviously when you look at the military, it's like when you're on the front lines of a war zone, you're not doing push-ups, right? Those are not the exercises yeah. you're doing, but those are kind of an indicator of, you know, how you might perform in those situations. Yeah. So I, I think exactly. I like that analogy. That was good. W one thing I want to talk about is like this idea of, you know, based off of these different roles, you might get different things. Like for instance, if you're applying for a role that's like a BI specialist and it's more focused on Tableau, instead of taking one of these, you know, SQL tests, you might have like a take-home challenge where you're, you're creating a Tableau dashboard based off of some data they give you. So it's not like every 100%. role necessarily is going to have a SQL, the SQL challenge, but a lot of them do. It is really, really yeah. important. Oh yeah. Of course, at some level, you will be grilled on this stuff. And you're right. Like if you're a more data viz focused person, maybe they just ask you conceptually things about how things work in Tableau. Maybe they make you show your past dashboard and then grill you on it and how you developed it. I almost think of these as like not really behavioral, but like almost pseudo technical, yeah. where it's still about your experience. It's still stuff about your resume, but we're going to go much more deeper than just like, tell me about teamwork. No, we're going to ask you, oh, you built this dashboard. How did you clean the data? Where did the data come from? You know, what steps did you taken? What was weird with the data set that you needed to clean out before you could display it? So these are like borderline technical without, you know, straight up grilling you on some random Tableau function. So that's something else you can expect for these data analysts and sometimes data science job interviews. Okay, awesome. I want to play a game with you now where we, we took turns giving our best three interview tips. Let's say... Maybe this is your first job or first data interview, or maybe you're upgrading from a data analyst to a data scientist, like you have your first data science interview. I want to take turns going through what our best three pieces of advice is. Do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? I'll let you choose. I'll go first, maybe. Well, how about we do one, 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 right? Yeah, like, yeah. like yep, alternate like off. That. Yeah. So maybe the first one I do is know that it's a conversation. People sometimes freeze up thinking they have to give the exact right or answer and they don't realize it's conversational or maybe they just like go silent without saying anything, especially yeah. for these more open-ended questions. It's a conversation. If it's a hard SQL question, there's gonna be back and forth where you ask some clarifying questions or you walk them through the thought process. So just don't freeze up, realize you can ask clarifying questions and realize it's a conversation at the end of the day. Yeah, sometimes they'll specifically say this, like think out loud or talk out loud mm -hmm. uh, about what you're thinking. And even if they don't say that, especially if you're not sure what to say or you don't know the answer, like walking through the ideas that's coming to your brain shows your problem solving skills yep. and at least can get you on the right path. Sometimes you'll say something and they'll like maybe make it easier for you or clarify for you. So I love that. Yeah. It's a conversation. You don't need to stay silent. You can like speak your mind, whatever you're trying to think. Yep. 
Yep, exactly. And if you blank on the exact Excel function or SQL function you need, but you've talked it through correctly, they know that you can like go Google it or if you're, you know, very close, but you forgot some small syntax, like they're happy with that as long as you talk, talk it out. So yeah, yeah. that's okay. the ad, added okay. bonus. I like that. That's a great, great first pick. My first pick is going to be, imagine that there's some sort of a tool that would allow you to know what they're going to ask. I think that that would be like a superpower. would be like, oh my gosh, I already know what they're going to ask me in an interview. I'm going to drill those things. Well, in some places like Google, Facebook, like some of the bigger fan companies, there's really good resources like Data Lemur that will kind of walk you through some practice questions that are very similar to the ones you'll be asked in the interview. But unfortunately, none of us will work for fan companies and there's not always a standardized reason. Well, I like the resource glassdoor.com, which will allow you to look up a company and then they have an interview section of this, like their Glassdoor profile, which is basically user collected interview questions that people were asked when they interviewed at a company. And you can actually filter it down to the job level. So for example, let's say you have an interview coming up with you know, Ford Motor for a data analyst position. You can go to the Ford Motor page on Glassdoor, go to the interview questions, search for data analyst, and see if there's any like data analyst interview there'll be questions and then also kind of like summaries and, and ratings. And it'll help you understand what type of questions they might ask at Ford, maybe even the exact question. So I like glassdoor.com because it like gives you a little peek into the future of what you might have to expect. That's a great tip. I'm going to piggyback off of that for my next tip, which is don't underestimate generality, right? So like on Data Lemur, we have a bunch of questions along with the uh, company that asked the question. And same way in the 201 questions in the book. But what actually happens is companies keep coming back to the same questions or there's some really, really common patterns that keep coming up. So I would still say that when you're doing these questions, think about the general pattern that's happening. For example, one question that keeps coming up is, what are some of the assumptions behind linear regression uh, along your underlying data? Well, you see that question so much, but when you see it three times, you might also think to your head, huh? What are some of the underlying assumptions before I do a logistic regression mm. or some of my other techniques, right? So what actually happens is even if I don't know, like if I don't know a single thing about what Ford Motor Company is asking, if you do enough prep from some of these other companies and you solve enough of the questions and the questions are out there, there are 201 in my book, there's more than like 300 on my site. You do enough of them, you start to realize, oh, even a company I've never heard about or talked to. They're asking about the same stuff, you know, and there's only so many ways to trick people on SQL and there's only so many, and forget even trick. Like most companies aren't even trying to trick you. They're just trying to see you. Like I'll give you an example where versus having. Yep. I've been asked. Such a classic one. Yeah. You've had that one. Yeah, I have. Cool. My girlfriend, she's a data analyst. She's had that one twice. Right. I've had that one once. Um, so it's like, it doesn't even matter what company is asking that. That's like one of the classic, you know, SQL questions, where versus having. So I think that's the other thing, which is like, go look on Glassdoor, go do these things, but just think about the patterns. Cause again, you'll see another one. This is not as common, but it's like, what's the difference between order by and group by? I mean, they're actually not very similar commands, but they yeah. both have the word by in them. Yeah. So sometimes people get tripped up like, Oh, uh, what? But if you just think for a second, it's like, wait, they're not even really related, but that's again, like another one where it's like, oh, suddenly you're asked to compare and contrast two different functions. What's rank versus dense rank? It's a little bit more hard of a question, which might be asked to a data engineer, for example, 
But again, just like that's the pattern. Take two commands. How are they similar and how are they different? Boom. You now know like 90% of data analyst SQL interview questions that don't involve code. They're just, you know, these conceptual ones. It's just compare and contrast two different things. I like that. That's a, that's a great tip. Good second pick. Uh, <laughs> with my second pick, I'm going with, you're supposed to bomb the first interview. Just know mm. that like, it's okay to bomb the first interview. It's okay. Like you're going to fail. Like I don't have math or stats on this about the amount of people who land their first data job with the first data interview that they get, but I'm guessing it's not high. So I've actually had students before that like work really hard to land that first data interview, get to that first data interview, and then they get the rejection email and they're bummed out. And I'm kind of like, you're that's okay. Like you're kind of supposed to get rejected from the first interview that you do. Just get the first one, two, three interviews and just consider it practice. It's just like, okay, I'm practicing what it's like to answer these questions. I'm practicing the high pressure, the quick answer, being on video, those types of things. So my tip here is, gosh, you're supposed to fail and it's okay if you do. Yeah. Piggybacking off of, it's not my tip, but I just want to share the story. I wrote the book, Ace of Data Science Interview, because I wasn't that good at interviews. Like if, if this stuff came to easy to me, I wouldn't have made my last two years all about this. I would have just moved on with my life and just kept doing stuff. I got so hung up on this topic exactly because I failed interviews. And then I realized there's questions. And then I realized, oh, wait, the questions come in certain patterns. And I realized, oh, shoot, I don't have to keep failing. I can just practice a lot. Let me start practicing. Oh, wait, this is working for me. Wait, this is working for others. So I super echo that. I didn't ace my first like interviews at all. I bombed so many of them, which is literally why I wrote this book, is so that other people don't bomb interviews like the way I did, because it's really common to do that, especially your first one. No problem that's, about that. That's awesome. So you guys can know that even Nick, who wrote the book on the interview, was bombing his first interviews. Oh, yeah. Like a lot of them. No, even even well into it, I still get tripped up sometimes on different things, which is what makes the book richer and what makes my coaching abilities richer, because even I sometimes mess things up, which is great yep. to... Yeah. You know, I mess up SQL, the order of operations. I just posted about it yesterday on LinkedIn or two days ago about sometimes I mix up where group by should go in the SQL query because, you know, it's just like select from group by. So sometimes I mess up the order where different things go within all that. So me too. Me too. Okay. What's your third tip? Let's see. Third tip is at the end when they say, do you have any questions for me? Definitely have questions pre-planned, ready to ask them and make sure they're good. Make sure they're well-researched. Never just say, no, I don't have questions. And even if you do have questions, don't ask them about pay or vacation time. Don't even ask them generic ones like, how do you like working here? Because they've heard that a million times. You go one step further, like, hey, I was reading your company blog and I saw this. Were you working on that? That seems really cool. Or, hey, earlier you introduced me and you told me you're on X team. I was reading your earnings report and I saw that X is a really big thing focused for the company. How's that been? Or like, you know, just subtly show them that like, you know, something of the company, you know, something of the product, right? Or, Hey, you know, you work on Y feature. I was actually poking around on the app a few days ago and I actually noticed Y feature. I was curious, why did you guys make that design decision? Boom. That's a subtle way you're asking a question, but that's a subtle way of showing like, damn, you've done your research. You care about the company. You're passionate about the space. You're not just asking a generic, oh, how do you like working here? When you know they're going to be like, oh, it's great, right? Like that's a stupid question and a stupid answer. And 
you know. Yeah, I love that. I think the most two guaranteed questions that you're going to be asked in every interview is tell us about yourself and do you have any questions for us? So yes. it's like you can prepare the crap out of those because it's a guarantee you're going to get asked those. Yeah, so I, I love I, that. And it, it you, only takes can, one Google search too. Just like Google, yeah. like whatever company data and just see like what pops up and read the first article. Done. Yup. And the best part is sometimes people are like, yo, this sounds too good to be true. What if I sound over-prepared or over-rehearsed? And I'm always just like, yo, are you like a professional actor or something? Like <laughs> memorizing lines? Like even if I do all the preparation, I come in the interview, I go a little bit nervous or, you know, my focus goes one way or another. Like it's, you're never going to sound over-rehearsed or over-prepared. You're only going to sound like enthusiastic and passionate and like someone who knows their shit. So I'm always a big fan of doing this kind of prep work and not worrying that you're going to come off as some weird stalker freak. Like it's never a thing. I'll ask personal questions too. Sometimes like, Hey, I saw on LinkedIn earlier. Like you used to work in biotech before you came to tech. You know, I have a biotech background. I mean, how's that been for you? Right. So suddenly they feel good too. Like, Oh, you looked at me on LinkedIn and you saw you do biotech. And then suddenly they're like, Oh wow, Nick, you're also from biotech background too. Let's connect on that. By the way, this is hypothetical. I do not come from biotech background, but you know, whatever common yeah. point you have with yeah. them, Mention at some point in the interview, it's just like a simple people, human thing. People like people who are like them. So just mention that. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay. That was a great tip. With my last tip, I'm going with something that you kind of already kind of hinted at, but I call it flipping the interview. And it's the okay. idea that a lot of people who do the interview process, like the hiring manager, or even like a lead data person, these guys are busy people. And of course they're doing hiring as part of their job description. But that's like the 20th thing on their job description. So a lot of the times they don't really want to be doing the interview. They don't really come prepared. They spend five minutes, 10 minutes beforehand thinking through what questions they're going to ask you and stuff like that from like a list generated by HR or whatever. And basically a lot of people who do interviews. And I know this because I've done interviews before, aren't the most prepared people on planet Earth. Sure. And so they're kind of struggling to like figure out what to ask you. And so if you can figure out a way where they aren't going to ask you random questions that they make up kind of on the spot, but instead they ask you about a project that you've done. It's going to put you and them in so much more of a comfortable situation where the interviewer is not going to have to be like struggling to like try to figure out the next question. They're like, Oh, you just submitted this project as part of your cover letter or like in the cold message you sent. Right. Just tell me more about this. Like, why did you build this project? What made it so interesting? You know, why did you do this versus that? And all of a sudden, instead of answering, you know, what the four, underlying assumptions of linear regression are, which is always super hard for me to remember. I'm talking about something I really know and really enjoy. And that's so much a better experience. It's going to put me at ease. I'm going to have better answers. So if you can use projects to kind of flip the interview and actually make the interview about stuff you've already done, not about stuff that random knowledge you have in your head, I think it's a lot better of an experience for everyone. That's amazing an answer. And actually, I totally endorse that. Chapter two in ACE Today's Science Interview is all about building portfolio projects. And one of the things I love, especially in the Zoom era, because I started writing this during COVID, but most of my interviewing stuff was done before COVID, right? Because sure, I worked yeah. for quite some years before all this happened. And that's where I was doing my in-person hiring and in-person interviewing. In the Zoom era, I can just drop a link to my public yeah. Tableau dashboard or to my SQL scripts or to my GitHub. Yeah. And I love that because the interviewer might say like, uh, mm, do you have any data viz experience? Yep. And instead of you say, oh, you have three years, you say, hey, you know what? I actually analyzed the 2022, 
2021 Summer Olympics in a Tableau dashboard. Do you mind if I just drop a link real quick? I, I'd love to show you it. Yeah. And then suddenly you share your screen, you're showing it. And now instead of them asking you some weird things like, how do you, how do you visualize categorical data, right? Instead of them asking that, you can just see your handiwork and like have a real conversation about why you displayed things the way you did and just kind of like riff on that. And there's a chance that person might even like your portfolio project because they like the Olympics or they like whatever data set you studied, right? So I think that's a big, big win that people don't realize they can kind of steer the conversation same way. Sometimes people in their last job might not have done the most relevant stuff, but they have something else on their resume where it's far more relevant. So the interviewer might ask them, oh, tell me about how you use SQL to do X. And they say, oh, yeah, I did that in my last internship. But where I really use SQL was actually two internships ago. Do you mind if I talk about that? Because I got to analyze two billion records yeah. with BigQuery. And they're like, oh, of course. Yeah, let's talk about that. I didn't I didn't even scroll down that far to your resume. But sure, let's talk about that. If that's more relevant to showcasing your SQL skills. So you can pick and choose what you talk about. Yeah, that's that's empowering, I think. So I hope listeners take that to heart. It's, it's a conversation. You get to pick, right? You get to pick. It's a two-way conversation. So treat it like that. Yeah, I love that. Let's talk more about SQL because SQL is a big part of the data interview process. You've created Data Lemur, uh, which is designed to try to help make people feel more comfortable with the SQL interview process. We talked about some of the things you might be asked, you know, conceptually, or we talked about like the difference between having and a where clause, an order by versus a group by. You know, you get into rank versus dense rank. Maybe what's a window function? What does it actually do? Those types of things. But how do you actually get good at SQL interviews? Like, or what's yeah. the secret to cracking it? So first is do not underestimate practice. I mean, that's the whole reason we mail Data Gamer and have hundreds of real SQL interview questions from Bloomberg and CVS Pharmacy and Amazon, just like all kinds of companies, not just your fan companies, just all kinds of companies are on there. So first up is just practice, right? And that seems really boring of an answer, but it's the right answer. The second answer is while you're practicing, practice a structured approach. And this is definitely needed for some of the harder questions. And on Data Lemur, all the questions are ranked by difficulty. So you'll see some hard questions. We have to write 30, 40 lines of SQL code Ooh. in a real interview in like five, 10 minutes. Ah. That's not an easy feat to do that without making mistakes under pressure on a data set you have never seen before. So for those harder questions, the trick to ace those is to follow a structured process, which is first, make sure you know what the question's even asking of you. If that means you're confused, ask the interviewer, what are we looking for? What are the end columns? What does the output need to look like? Yeah. Because you can't even begin solving this if you don't know what the end output needs to look like. What, how many columns do they need to be and what value should they have? Second thing is explore the data. Just do a simple select star, do a simple count. Just see what's in the data, what columns are there. Usually there might not be some weird nulls or stuff, but sometimes companies like to mess with you and put nulls or weird data or mess up with the schema. So just check that for a few minutes or not even a few minutes, just like do a quick search or ask the interviewer like, hey, can I assume there's like no nulls and everything's well formed or should I explore that? And maybe they say, no, I'll explore it. Or maybe like, no, 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 it's just standard. Like, I just want to see you do the basics. Next thing you do, is try to break down the big problem into smaller chunks. That seems obvious. Again, all these things seem obvious, but again, when I do these mock interviews with people and they start solving the question and then they start saying, and like, 
freezing up and like getting lost in their own thought process. Because again, 30, 40 lines of SQL code, it's easy to get lost in the sauce or like forget where you're at or like, you know, you have a subquery with a subquery, you have a window function, you have this, 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 you have to put up multiple pieces. It's really easy to mess up. So I like to say build smaller, smaller solutions, solve small sub problems and execute code for these small sub problems. You don't want to write 30 or 40 lines and then run it all at the end. You want to just make sure like you're working with the smaller chunks and they're running because it's way easier to figure out and debug four or five lines of code or like one window function or one simple group by then getting all the way to the end and realizing where you messed up or where you made a wrong assumption. Yeah. And that's basically the main process. So it's just practice. And then for the harder ones, practice with a process. Don't just jump in and start solving it randomly. And that's good. That's basically most of it. Love the process. You got to know what the end results is. You need to make sure that you understand what your data shape and what's in your data and if it's dirty or not, that makes sense. Yeah. Breaking it down into chunks, always easier to, to write small chunks of code versus a big thing. I think that all makes sense. So I really like that answer. My answer is practice. Cause like I personally, and once again, I just want to <laughs> emphasize that my roles were not SQL heavy, but so when I got into sure. the SQL interview, you know, tests, like specifically when I was looking for new jobs, I was like, man, I suck at these. Like, this is unlike anything I do at, on my job. You know, this is not a machine learning model. Like, this is not what I do at my job, right? And so I was like, I don't think that these are representative of what I actually do. And I'm not good at them. So in order for me to get good at them, I have to practice. So I, I almost think of it as like a free throw in basketball, right? If you get fouled in basketball, you head to the free throw line, which basically is a 15-foot shot where it's like no one's guarding you and you get to just shoot it, right? And it's like anyone who plays basketball for the most part should be good at free throws because it's just a free shot. You're just by yourself and you can practice that all day long, no issues whatsoever. And I kind of think of the SQL interview almost as a free throw where it's like, it's going to happen. It's guaranteed to happen. And it's just a matter of practicing. And that's how we get good at it. Yep, exactly. And again, most of the content on Data Lemur is free. And actually, Avery, no one knows this, so I'll announce it right now. Ooh. By early next week, um, there'll be a free SQL tutorial on Data Lemur. So if you struggle with SQL in general, or you just don't even know SQL and you're trying to just level up in SQL, there's a free SQL tutorial coming out on datalemur.com slash SQL tutorial. If you care enough, you could even search it up right now and start seeing it. It's like not fully done, but it's 99% done already. So you can go check that out. So that's another thing, which is like practice SQL interview questions. And if you just don't know SQL, let's go learn SQL. Like it's yeah. free. You have no excuse. I love it. That's, that's great. We'll have that uh, link in the show notes down below. Okay. We could end the podcast now, but we're not because I want to torture you and I want you to torture me. And I, I want to do one behavioral mock interview question. So by the way, we didn't talk much about behavioral interviews, but that's a big part of the data interview process. And basically what I want to do, I'll play this other game where I'm going to ask you one behavioral interview question and, and then you give your answer and then you ask me one behavioral interview question. Cool. Um, you go and first. for the audience at home, we didn't plan this out. So I don't know what you're going to ask me. I don't have my stories ready. In a real interview, I'd come with some prep work, but look, let's do it live. We're live. So let's do yeah. it. So it's going to suck. It's going to be not the best of all time, but that's real life. So it's all right. Do you want to ask a question first or do you want me to ask the question? You can ask me first. Let's see. Okay. I'm, I'm going to just keep it really basic for you. Guaranteed. This is how every interview starts. 
Nick, thank you so much for interviewing with Data Crew Jumpstart today. We're excited to get to know you better. We'd love to learn more about you. Tell us about yourself. Let's back up one more second real quick. What role am I interviewing for? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a good point. Let's say you're a data analyst. You're, you applied for data analyst role. Oh. We'll say on LinkedIn. This is like maybe you had a short phone screen with the recruiter. You like met the technical requirements, and this is your first interaction with the hiring team. Okay, cool. And I'm going to sort of use my past experience, but not all of it because then it might be overkill. Um, okay. Because okay. I feel like I'd be a pretty good data analyst at Data Career Jumpstart. But yeah, yeah. that's so true. So let, yeah. let, me, let me make up some details because, or let me pretend, let's pretend I'm it's back in 2016. Yep. And let's pretend it's a summer internship. Okay. It's perfect. 2015. It's a summer internship. So I'm in college. I haven't worked at Facebook yet. I don't have all this LinkedIn or anything. It's back in 2015. And I'm looking for yep. a data analyst internship, which is very real life. Yep. Okay. So Tell introduce yourself story. one more time. Okay. My name is Avery. I'm the hiring manager at Data Career Jumpstart. We'd love to learn more about you. Tell us about yourself. Hi, Avery. Thanks for so much for taking the time. Um, my name is Nick. I go to the University of Virginia where I study systems engineering, which is kind of like a mixture of computer science, math, and business. And that's actually how I figured out that I might like data analytics because honestly, data analytics is sort of a combination of computer science, math, and business. In college, I also ran a little bit of a startup where I used data and I analyzed data around hip hop artists, taking data from the Spotify's API. And that was really fun. And I actually realized from that project, not only do I like data analytics, I like working on my own project or working with startups and like just making really cool things with data, which kind of brings me to what I'm looking for this summer. I noticed, you know, I reached out because I saw you on LinkedIn. You run this really cool accelerator that's teaching people data. I love data, as mentioned earlier. And then more importantly, you're another small business. You're trying to figure out things and you understand how important data is to drive a business. And that's exactly the time of company I want to work for. So that's what brings me here today to talk to you about this data analyst internship. Snaps for snaps for Nick. That was good. That was really good. Cool. I liked, I liked how you talked about like why you're passionate, like how it relates to the company. Uh, I I thought that was great. Any comments Ooh. on that? Yeah, I can just break it down. I know this was not perfect execution because I'm making up some of these details. Yep. It's not 2015 anymore. I'm not even going to say the date just so we can still listen to this in 2029 and people think it just happened. Perfect. That sounds good. Uh, longevity, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is definitely happening in 2029. No, no. I, like, I'm always just trying to break it down to where did I come from? Okay. I told you about my major. That's what I would have talked about in school. What have I done? Oh, I built a something and I analyzed Spotify data. And then where am I going? Well, I'm trying to go and use data further and work at a small business because I like my own startup experience. Hint, hint, Avery runs a small business that uses mm. data, trying to hire every data role. Mm. What do you know, right? So that's basically go. the formula for one of these answers. You just talk about where you started, what you've accomplished recently, and then where you're headed, which almost always should look like, oh yeah, I'm really interested in education, right? I should have, maybe I could have mentioned, oh, I was a TA or something, which really got me interested in education and helping people. And that's what you do here too. I wasn't a TA though, so I couldn't say that right now. <laughs> That, that was great. I think you did good. Yeah. So can I grill you now with a, yeah, with a, that's, a behavior that's, question? Yeah, that's the opportunity. I'm nervous, you guys. I'm nervous. What is Nick yeah. going to ask? Okay. Now let me set you up for context. 
Yep. Avery, you're interviewing to be a product analyst or a product data scientist on Data Lemur. Okay. We're a leader in education with thousands of daily users learning using us to use SQL. I have all this data and I just don't know where the product should go. I want to improve retention, churn, all these things. So I'm looking for a more product-minded data scientist or okay. analyst to look through my web analytics data, my funnels, all that. So that brings me to the interview. So hi, Avery. You know, tell me that time you use data to actually, you know, change the product roadmap or business roadmap for any businesses you worked on in the past. Oh, that's really interesting. That's a great question. So in terms of like working with products, my past experience has been a biotech startup and a large manufacturing company. I would say probably the most I've actually had to deal with products was probably a product I was creating at the manufacturing company, ExxonMobil. We are basically working on, and now I have to change some stuff because- So, so actually it's okay if it's for a business too. Like anytime you basically use this to make some actual impact on the types of priorities the business did, you know? So it's okay if it's on a product, if it's a business, but just anytime you had business impact driven through data, because ultimately the product is the business at Data Lemur. So I'm happy with either way. Okay. That makes sense. I still think I'm going to talk about this example at ExxonMobil. And for all the listeners, I'm going to have to change what I'm actually talking about. In an interview, I would feel okay talking about it, but let's Talking about what I did specifically to this <laughs> ExxonMobil tool in front of thousands of people is not going NDA, to be like, man. Yeah, not what yeah, I'm so make to up do some today. details. So make I'll, up some I'll details. yeah, I'll make up some details. So basically, at Exxon, I was in charge of of working on a, a product, obviously a, a small product, but a product that was going to be used by an internal organization at the company that would basically help make better decisions on what crude oils we bought around the world. Now I had to look at the user data for that, like see how many times it was being used, see how many times it was being, see how many times it was like failing, like there was like an error or reported error. And then also looking at our customer service logs to see, to understand, you know, what issues people were having as well as the feature request logs. Because at the end of the day, we had limited time at the company, right? We only had so many hours to work on this product and we had to decide whether we were going to you know, work more on making it feature rich and adding new features that would delight and surprise our customers versus actually just going back and actually trying to make it more sturdy. That was a big decision because obviously you only have so much limited time and we ended up deciding to support more of our customers and work on making it more dependable and stable. Although the features were really interesting to us and actually probably the more sexy thing to management, our data was actually telling us that our users couldn't even use the tool as it is right now. And we needed to focus on creating a, a complete MVP versus making some- That sounds users. really, really interesting. What specific metrics told you that, oh man, people aren't using this or like we should prioritize our time? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that we were looking at is this tool basically kept track of how many times uh, a user was running it. And we were able to make basically a, a cumulative line chart of all uses over time. And we saw that when we released the tool, people were really interested in it, but then it kind of slowly had this decaying exponential curve where people no longer were really using the tool. And we thought it was a great tool, but we really saw that there wasn't that much use of it. And we, when we broke it down by individual and by individual, a lot of the times we'd look at our customer service data and we'd see that tickets were created around the same time that that individual user's use went down. And we realized, man, people just need help with running this tool a little bit more effectively and stability. Great. 
Yeah, no, that's a good answer. Probably my only critique of it. Again, we're making this up as we go. Like he's never heard these things. Maybe my only critique would be a little bit more about like the result we drove. And mm -hmm. so then we improved it and actually found double the usage or we improved it and we used to have like maybe 200 users and now we have 500 users or something like that. Just drive, drive that home. Like, oh, damn. Okay, great. You doubled the usage or you reduced the number of tickets or you got 2x buy-in. I, I don't know. I don't know how we'd yeah. quantify it, but like. No, you're right. So we, in behavioral questions, we didn't really talk about this. You always want to use the star method, situation, task, sure. action, result. And I pretty much did the star method. I didn't yeah. really hit, hit the R hard enough where yeah. I was like, why does this actually matter to the business? Like, how did the business make money? How did the team get stronger? What are some tangible number result that we could possibly talk about? So I'll add yep. it now. And that led to a bajillion dollars in increase in the company. Amazing. Amazing. And you know what, Avery, I've done this with a lot of people techies we are always all about the tna oh how do we solve it what was the task what were the actions i took i built this model that model and then we always forget the result but i'm a businessman i'm a business owner i'm a results oriented person actually yeah. the r the thing you forgot was the most important and i'm not picking yes. on you i'm saying this happens all the time because we all start geeking out about the actions we took the things we built and we forget about the business result and that's honestly usually the thing that nerves your cares about the most or is impressed by the most. Sure. I mean, they like the actions too, but if there was no business impact, there was no R, then how do I care about yep. the story? <laughs> for, for so sure. yeah, this so, is great. This was fun. Yeah. So all you listeners are, are, are welcome for forgetting the R. So that way we could, we could, yes. we could harsh on it. Uh, that yeah. was great. Thank you, Nick, for the interview. And thank you so much for leaving us with so many good ideas for our interview. We'll definitely have the links to uh, Ace the Data Science interview, as well as Data Lemur in the description down below. Anything else you, you'd want to add to the episode? No, check out Data Lemur's free SQL tutorial. Check out the questions. Go read the book, Ace the Data Science interview. Hit me up on LinkedIn. I have about 150,000 followers, and I'm talking all the time every day about the data career stuff and portfolio projects and interviews. So, or catch me on Twitter too. About 25,000 followers there too. So I'm, I'm around. Excited to hear from y'all. Perfect. And I'll actually add this. Anyone that ends up buying the book from the description down below, after you guys buy the book, send me a screenshot, avery at datacareerjumpstart.com of like, just like your receipt or actually a picture of you having the book. And, and if you have the book, I'll do this too. And if you guys do that, I'll send you guys basically my book highlights of Ace the Data Science Interview, where I'll tell you what pages okay. and stuff I think is the best to read. So we'll, can you, we'll that can you send that to me too? I don't have a yeah. receipt, but well, send, <laughs> I send, me, send me a picture of a copy with you in the book. Yes. Okay. I will. I'll, I'll do that. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much, Nick. For sure. See ya. Bye. All right. Hopefully after that episode, you are feeling more confident and have more of a direction in what you need to do to prepare for this big opportunity, this data interview that I promise you is coming your way. As long as you're following the SPN method, these interviews will start to flow. And once you get into those interviews, you want to seize the moment. And so take action on what we talked about today. You know, go check out Glassdoor, go check out Data Lemur, go check out the Ace Data Science interview book. We'll have links in the description down below. It's time to take action, you guys, and prepare for these interviews. They are coming. So when that actually comes, you'll be prepared. Take the steps necessary. 
If you're ready to actually improve your interview skills, if you wanna practice so that when you land that interview or when you get into your next interview, you can be brave, you can be confident, and you can feel prepared, I highly suggest checking out datacareerjumpster.com slash interview and checking out the Data Analyst Interview Simulator. This is the closest thing that you can actually get to the interview. This is like gonna be like the interview before the interview and it's gonna allow you to prepare on camera behavioral questions, technical questions with you answering via video. It's going to be awesome, you guys. If you guys go check out that link in the description down below, I also might have a discount for you guys available. Check the top of that uh, website page to see if that discount's still available. It's gonna be a great discount, so worth checking out in the show notes down below, the Data Analyst Interview Simulator. Have a great day, everyone, and we'll see you guys on next week's episode.